0: How many uh, in, on television you've seen, like you watched a series and then there's, the, there's like a spinoff, right? And sometimes they're better and sometimes they're not. Well, I'll leave that up to you to decide. But in the beginning was our series on creation. It was in that series the Lord really made clear to me that where we were to go after that. So this is kind of a spinoff sermon series of the series in the beginning. And it's a series on words. It's a series on our words. And my wife was telling me after we left Richfield this morning, she says, "You know, this is a series we need to talk about every year, because it really does impact our life and every aspect of our life, right? Every aspect and we're going to go through a lot this is more of an introductory into the words, but um, how many have ever said, uh, I, "I call me, I need to talk to you. It's a matter of life and death." Right? Oh, they're so dramatic, right? but your words are a matter of life and death. Look at Proverbs 18:20. It says from the fruit of their mouth a person's stomach is filled and the harvest of their lips are satisfied. There was a group of frogs that were hopping along, a large group of. They were hopping along and they're just hopping along and and all of a sudden two of the frogs that were leaning fell into this deep pit. And the frogs all gathered around the pit and they saw them in there and they, they couldn't pull them out. And and they said, you know what? There's no way to get you out. Uh, you guys are going to die. You might as well just quit. We're going to leave. You're going to die. And the frogs just kept hopping. And the two frogs in the pit just kept hopping and hopping and, and trying to get out. And they furiously tried to hop. And the whole time the frogs gathered around the pit are like, there's no way you're getting out. You're as good as dead. You, you're just wasting your time. You can't hop that high. The pit's too deep. You'll never make it and they're shouting that down there eventually one of the frogs just succumbs to the to the words of the frogs up on top of the of the pit and he just stops and he dies the other frog just keeps hopping and hopping and hopping. He even pushes the dead frog up against the thing to try to leap off the dead frog's, you know, you know belly, and he just hops up, and they keep... It got so bad that the frogs in the top of it was just furiously yelling, you can't do it, there's no way you're gonna make it, there's no way you're gonna... They even got so almost viciously jumping up and down, waving their head. there's no way, I can't believe you're even trying, you might as well stop and die. And that frog, though, that frog just kept hopping and hopping until, boom, it just so happened that frog jumped out of that pit. And all the frogs looked at him and they thought, wow, that's amazing. They're like, what kept you going? What caused you to get out of the pit? Only to discover that frog was deaf. (laughs) And he interpreted what he was seeing and how adamant all the frogs on the rim were as being cheerleaders, and he just couldn't let them down. So he kept working at it and working at it until eventually he got out of that pit. (laughs) The power of our words, Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it eat its fruit. Your words, I wouldn't believe that our words have as much power as they have if it wasn't in the Bible. If it wasn't there, I wouldn't believe that the words have the ability to do what they do in our life. And it's incredible how we look at our words or we ignore our words or we don't give our words much credit. In fact, we live in a society where we say all kinds of words and never give it a second thought. We say all kinds of things about people to other people and don't ever consider the impact of what we just did because the enemy has convinced us that you're nothing more than an animal and your words do not have the power of the creator. The reason we use the words the way we do is because the enemy has deceived you to believe a lie and you don't recognize the value of your words, the cost of your words. You know, God used his words when he created the universe. He said, then God said, then God said, then God said. And it was in the part of the In the Beginning series on, in the physics section when I said, they discovered that at the very foundation of all, all of the objects on the planet, there are vibrations. We as believers in, the, in what God's word says in the Bible know that those vibrations are God's Word, they don't believe in God, so they don't know where it comes from. They don't know what it is. They don't understand how those vibrations can make objects like they make objects. They don't get it. We know that it's God's Word. And isn't it interesting? Before there was ever the physics and all of that, the Word of God said He spoke, and it knew, it pretty much described in a very practical way what they discovered in science to be true. Isn't that interesting? That they didn't say that after we discovered it. It was said that way before. See, God spoke to the void, and out of the void, His words took shape. God spoke to that that wasn't, and it was His words that caused it to become. Do you not realize that whether it's in your marriage or in your relationship with family members or with your children or at work, and, and what you're doing in your job, that how you talk about it is literally impacting what's happening? I'm going to give you a formula in a little bit about this, but it's interesting. Um, we, we have a pet. Uh, how many in here have a pet, right? Okay, and it's funny because uh, my daughters uh, that just got married, they want a dog, and one of them is in the kids' ministry right now. She's a children's pastor here. And she, she'll talk about her dog. It's not her dog, it's, it's Heather's dog. <laughs> she talks about it like her pet because her husband w- wisely doesn't want to have a pet yet. <laughs> right? And some of you say, Amen. Yeah, that believe, in this. Some of you are saying, No, I'm going to talk to Edwin about that. But pets tend to tie you down, right? And uh, and we we're like Mackenzie, that's not your dog. She says, well, it, it kind of is. It's like you know, you have to tell them like this isn't your house, and they're like, well, it will be. <laughs> <laughs> you all know it's like right? like eventually. <laughs> uh, but but the 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 reality is is like like when we talk to the dog, when you talk to the dog. That, that dog isn't human. Like, we have a relationship with the dog, but the dog, as much as you call it like, like people say, well, at least you got a boy dog. You didn't have a boy, but you got a boy. This is different. <laughs> right? Boy, boy dog, they're not the same. Right? Why? I can't have a relationship with a dog like I have with a boy. Does this make sense? but some of us view this whole relationship with God as if we're his pet. See, that dog can't talk to me. It doesn't have the capability to communicate with me other than it gets its treat and it's happy, right? But there's no intimacy. There's no relationship with that dog. It, it smiles, and you, you think it's smiling, Right? But there's no relationship. When God created you, he didn't create you with his words. He created you, made you out of the dirt, and then he breathed himself in you, and he gave you a mouth because he wants to talk to you. And I've had people, I've had people say this. This is, this is incredible. Like, I don't believe that, because um, I'll tell them you should read, when you read the Bible, you should read it out loud. And they're like, well, Why? Because faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. That God didn't give you a mouth so you would think a conversation with Him. God wants to hear your voice and He wants you to hear His. See, there's another lie, and that is God doesn't speak to us anymore. If God knew, that this would replace you hearing His Word. He would never have given you this. This has become a crutch to Christians when it was meant to be life. Like God has a Word just for you He wants to speak to you. It won't contradict this, but it is for you. Most of us only think we can only hear from God through the Bible. So there is, a, there is a relationship that comes that when we hear from Him and His words of life spoken into us, the words of life come out of us. You receive, you contain, and you declare, you broadcast, right? Say this with me, I receive, I, receive. I, contain, I contain, and then I broadcast. Now, if you're listening to Netflix all the time, and all of a sudden you're t- treating people like garbage and you're declaring death, it's because you've given place for garbage in garbage. It's, it's pretty simple, isn't it? If what you're listening to, and we'll get to this in a, in a moment, well, we'll do it right now. Here. If what you're listening to gets into your heart, it's out of your heart, your mouth speaks, and your mouth determines your future. And it's simple. But what happens is we're listening to things, and there's time that passes before our future takes place, and we don't connect our future to what we let into our ear gate. What you listen to is what you put your faith in. It's not just the Word of God. Faith comes from hearing, yes, the Word of God, and you'll have faith in God's promises, but faith comes from hearing first. What are you hearing? What are you listening to? It's what you're putting your faith in, and that faith and, and that thing empowers that thing to operate in your life even though it's a lie. You say, well, if it's a lie, shouldn't it not work? No, the lie will work if you empower it with legs. But it was never God's plan. So let me, let me give you, Psychology Today, not my favorite journal, but had a great study done for human beings, in the study of human beings. It said this, the more negative thoughts they have, the more likely, this was the uh, 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 a peer reviewed journal, the report of that, summary of that, said the more negative thoughts they have, the more likely they are to experience emotional turmoil. But if you teach them to think positively, you can turn their lives around. Negative thinking, because these are not believers who are writing this. This was an unbeliever writing this, at least I think he was. Uh, negative thinking is also self-perpetuating, and the more you engage in negative dialogue at home and at work, the more difficult it is to become, it becomes to stop. Look at this. Negative words spoken with anger do even more damage. They send alarm messages through the brain, interfering with the decision-making center of the frontal lobe, and this increases a person's propensity to act irrationally. How many know that's true? Because that happens to you, right? Fear-provoking words like poverty, illness, death, also stimulate the brain in negative ways. And even if these fearful thoughts are not real, other parts of the brain... And, and I can't pronounce them, react to negative fantasies as though they were actual threats occurring in the outside world. Curiously, so when you think fearful thoughts, your brain and body responds as though it's already happening. You're afraid of something happening as though it's happening. Does that make sense? That when you have those fearful thoughts and you meditate on it, it's as though it's already happening. That's why the Bible says he didn't give you a spirit of fear. That when you're thinking fearful thoughts, you're actually in that state of stress that you would be in as if it was happening. Are you getting that? That's why, stop worrying about it. Positive words and thoughts propel the motivation centers of the brain into action and help us build resilience when we're faced with problems. Interesting enough, how many moms in here said, Now, Johnny, you got to say ten good things because you said one bad. How many said that? How many said, Well, it wasn't quite that ratio. I had more research done, and I found out that it was do you know what that ratio is? Because it's true. you know what that ratio is? So that our moms can be more educated in how to respond to little Johnny. Do you know what it is? How many know what it is? Anyone know what it is? It's four. You have to say four. It's like 3.7. But four, because po- how do you say a 0. 0.7 word? <laughs> that doesn't make sense, right? So, so you got to, it's four words to replace the damage of one negative word. Right? The, the power of one negative word. So uh, how many have heard the name it, claim it thinking, right? And it's what happens with everything. When something is true, we take it to extremes. How many know that's human nature? We do that. And then and what we do is if I want something, I'm just going to start naming all the things I want. That, that mentality is just extremely selfish, that's not what God was saying. In fact, there's a statement, uh, that, that a word and, and that I want to give you. The quality of your life is dependent on the words you speak. There's truth to that, but it's not complete. The quality of your life will be determined by the words you speak. How many have found that that's true in your experience? Raise your hand. So those in here who wouldn't believe this know that, that the way you talk about your marriage impacts your marriage. Right? How many know that's true? The way you talk about your finances will impact whether you're content with your life or not. Yeah. Right? So let me clarify it with this, though. Let me add it, make it a little more complete. This is, this is probably a more of a biblical approach. That would be more of a worldly, carnal vote, a way of looking at it. Here's more of a biblical. I'm not saying that I'm trying to get God in agreement with my words. I'm saying that I need to get my words in agreement with God. That, that my words line up with what God is saying because there is a cost to my words. And we're going to spend a few weeks on this. Look at, look at a few quotes that really identify this. Words are free. It's how you use them that may cost you. Well, if we have freedom of speech, I can say whatever I want, yeah, but you can't determine what it costs you. How many know it's true? The environment around us just slings words all over the place, and then we want people to forget we ever said them. We talk so much we don't even remember ever saying it. We just throw it around and and if, if we want you to remember it, we can't believe you didn't remember it, and then are you kidding? I didn't really mean that. Am I right? How many how many spouses in here have said things to your spouse you didn't really want and, and if you're being honest, you just did it to hurt their feelings? Now how many really struggle with lying words? Okay. Hello! Some of you are sitting there, let me put my halo on and pretend that I've never said a crossword to my wife on purpose. Yes, you have, right? So how many need healing in their arm? Maybe that's what it is. You have an arm problem. I'm feeling there's a joint problem here. How many have lied to your spouse or said something to your spouse that you shouldn't have said and you did it on purpose? Be honest before God. Okay, now look around. Look around. There was a reason I wanted you to do that. You know why? We're human. But just because everyone is doing it doesn't make the impact any less. See, that's why we think we're getting away with it with no impact or consequence, because everyone is doing it. So if everyone is doing it, then it must not be that big of a deal. And yet, it is a huge deal. It's the deception of the enemy to make us think that we can just throw them around because we have the freedom of words. Look at this. Raise your words, not your voice. It's rain that grows flowers, not thunder. (laughs) I love that quote. Because it's true. If you're going to change the circumstances you're in currently, it isn't going to be overnight. First thing you need to hear. If you're going to change your marriage, it's not going to happen overnight. We're, we're always thinking, well, it's going to be like that testimony where the guy came home from a retreat and they were totally different and it was just a different man. No, you wouldn't be able to handle that because you've been codependent on the way they've been, you would not handle that well. The best transformation in a person's life is called the sanctification when it happens and you get to grow together. But if you want to see a change in your husband, it won't happen tomorrow, but if you change the way you talk about them, it will happen in three years. you want to see change in your wife it will happen so what do words do what do words do words first of all this is not going to be a long mess words connect us to God words are what connect us to God you say no Jesus is the bridge between it that connect well yeah that's what I'm saying words John 1 14 says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us God's word became flesh and we call them Jesus God's word that created everything, that holds everything together, became a body and we called it Jesus. Does that make sense? It's his word. Psalms 107 20 says, he sent forth his word and it healed us. It became our bridegroom. Jesus said, I am your bridegroom. Have you ever stopped to consider what that means? If Jesus is God's word, we looked at God's word, and we said, I do. Did you get that? We looked at God's word, and we said, we, we're marrying God's word, and we said, I do. So what, what is that? It's obedience to God's word. You're making the decision that I'm going to be obedient to what God's word says, I'm coming into relationship with God's word and I'm going so what is intimacy with God through his word intimacy is obedience to God's word That's is, that is that's that's pretty real So so what happens is is people say no pastor I'm under grace so I don't need to be obedient to the word Do you really think God would give grace for you not to be in intimacy with His Son, Jesus Christ? Well, no, I am. I am in intimacy. I love Jesus, but you won't do His Word. Well, I don't know, that's that's legalism. Are you following this? We separate God's Word from Jesus. They're one and the same. If I'm in relationship with Christ, I'm in relationship with God's Word. I'm obedient to His Word because I'm in relationship with the Word, and the Word is what sets me free. Why would God give grace to disobey the very thing that says we have grace? There's, yeah, Holy Spirit reveal that right now. Because a walk with Christ is a walk in His Word. You say, well, I have a relationship with Christ. Oh, so you're in His Word. Oh, no, I'm saved by grace. That's interesting. I haven't met her. I do know Jesus, though. This is not me forgetting what I'm saying. It's like Holy Spirit reveal this. Like if I'm in relationship, not religion, I'm in relationship of the Word. The Word is a daily part of my life. I can't exist without His Word. His Word holds all things together. If His Word holds all things together and my marriage is falling apart, it's because I'm not in relationship with His Word. In my marriage, and if I come into relationship with His Word, His Word will bring my marriage together. So the word is near you. Romans 10, 8 through 11 says the word is near you. It is your mouth and your, and your heart that is the word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, because how many know if there's no resurrection, there is, you might as well go home. This is all pointless. The only thing that would make me not follow God anymore is if they prove there was no resurrection But there were a whole lot of witnesses there that saw him after he was crucified. So good luck on that one. (laughs) For it was with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the Scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Then in verse 13 it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, when we confess what's in our heart, what we believe in our heart is what comes out of our mouth. It's out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you want to know what you believe, listen to what you say. And you always do what you believe. You always do what you believe. Now, part of this is the impartable sin. Because words are valuable, and the, and the impact of that is valuable. And blasphemy means evil speaking. And, and the Bible says if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you've committed this sin that you'll never be forgiven. And let me clarify this a little bit. Matthew chapter 12, it says, And so I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can, for, will be forgiven men. So how many know that you've said things with your mouth that can be, all of that can be forgiven? Right? Praise God. I mean, the impact of my words... I, I, I have to, almost every morning I wake up and I say, thank you, God, for your mercy that's new today. Because I used it all up yesterday. <laughs> so thank you for the mercy you're giving me. Like, you filled my tank while I was sleeping. Thank you, Lord, for doing that, right? Because I'm going to need your mercy today. and, and uh, But it, it goes on and says... Uh, But the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. This is why you got to be very careful how you talk about the Holy Spirit. There are a whole lot of, uh, of people out there that when they talk about the Holy Spirit, they don't talk well of them. You need to be very careful those people aren't speaking into your life. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I'm going away, and I'm going to send the gift to you. Well, what's the gift? We all love a gift. He's called the Holy Spirit, right? And the Holy Spirit is going to come, and He's going to be your friend. He's going to be there wherever you're at. He's going to be with you, right? And yet there are people who are saying, He's for yesterday, not for today. Where? Where? does it say that? Nowhere does it say that in the Bible. It's because there are people who don't want to deal with him because he's scary. You know, Holy Spirit. Woo! Right? I I mean, I've I've said this as a joke that God should have called him Chuck because Chuck's just a friendly name. You know, like Holy Chuck. (laughs) You want to be friends with a Holy Chuck, right? But it's not what God did. He's Holy right because he's a spirit that interacts with our spirit do you know that you actually have a holy spirit yourself you know why your spirit holy means to set apart your spirit was set apart just for you and that set apart spirit that you possess connects with the holy spirit of god isn't that amazing so that you can hear from Him every day. You can interact with God every day. But this is what Jesus says. It goes on verse 33. He says, Make a tree good and the fruit will be good, and make a tree bad and the fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its... You don't need to tell me about your relationship with Christ, how good or bad it is. I can tell by the fruit I just ate. Right? So your... Your heart is your tree. Your mouth is its fruit. So if you want to know what fruit you are bearing, look at people's faces when you talk to them. If they don't. If they don't eat from your tree or want to listen to anything you have to say, it's probably because your fruit's not too good. Right? So maybe you're sitting here thinking, could be it. It's not that I'm not a likable guy. It's because my fruit is horrible. Don't worry. You start, you start eating of the tree of life, Jesus, the word, he changes your fruit. Remember? What you receive, you contain and then out of your mouth, out of your heart. So you, you say, well, how do I do that? What you're listening to is your ear gate that when you listen, you open, and that's where you stop it. You have to change what you're hearing and listening to. You shut that door and say, I'm not going to listen because what you let in goes to your heart gate, and out of the heart gate, it goes through your mouth gate, and from your mouth gate determines your future gate and turns into water gate. But it's, it's... What are you listening to? That's where you stop it. You want to change what that tree's doing? Don't let it into your heart. How do I not do that? Shut up. Begin to monitor what you're listening to and who you're listening to. Jesus said this, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say, good, good, for out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks, good man brings good out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that the men who have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken, for by your words you will be quitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Right? So here's the unpartable sin. This This is where it comes from. When you attack the Holy Spirit, you attack the very thing that opens your eyes to receive Christ. If you're a believer in Christ today, the only reason you're a believer in Christ is because the Holy Spirit came to you and opened up your eyes to see your need, to see that you needed him. It's because of the Holy Spirit. So if you attack it, the ability to even know you need God is gone. Here, here's, the, here's the second thing it does. Words connect us to each other. The Lord came down to see the city. This is in the Tower of Babel. The Lord counted, the people were building. The Lord said, if one people speaking the same language and they've begun to do that, then nothing they plan to do is is impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not even understand each other. Isn't it amazing that when they were doing something that was not what God had desired, the thing that stopped them was affecting, changing their ability to communicate their words? Your words are what bring us together. Proverbs 18, 21 to 22 says, and the tongue has power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. He who finds, and and this is funny because my wife just told me this verse a few days ago. He who finds a wife, (laughs) he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. (laughs) Uh, You don't even want to know why she brought it up. (laughs) Or, I don't want you to know why she brought it up. (laughs) You know, it's interesting is, if you believe that your words have the ability of life, you know why prophetic words are so important, and and we just did a podcast on this on Thursday, you're going to see it. It's on on the prophecy. It's because prophecy is how God sees you. And when someone gives a prophetic word that's true prophecy, it's a declaration of how God sees you. Remember Gideon when he was in the winepress threshing wheat, the worst place, and he was there because he was a coward. But the angel of the Lord came and prophesied over him and said, you are a mighty warrior. What he was saying is, it doesn't look like you're a mighty warrior, but you're a mighty warrior. See, our words connect us to people. The people in your life, are they being built up or destroyed by your words? Jesus said, I come to give you life and life abundantly, but the devil came to kill, steal, and destroy. What spirit are you speaking with? The spirit of destruction or a spirit of life? Well, you say, well, how do I know? When you're done with people, do you build them up or are they tore down? Because you're going to get what you want. When you tear someone down and then attack them for being what your words have declared them to be, you're the fool. Well, I thought if I attacked them and went after them, the angel of the Lord didn't go to Gideon and say, "You coward! That's not what you were made to be." The angel of the Lord came to and said, "You're a mighty warrior. I'm not even going to give credence to this lie you're living in right now. In your life." That person you're married to, that person you're working with, if you want to see a change, you don't get changed by speaking death to them. You see a change when you recognize the power of your words to bring life, to build them up. So if you're married to someone, and, you, and, and what happens is you get so frustrated with your husband that you can't think of one positive thing they do right. Not one. Let me tell you, they do something good. But you're so Fixated on what they're doing, and you constantly are telling them, and you don't understand why they won't change because you keep putting them there. You have to change the way you talk about them, and this is—you can interpolate if you're the the husband, right? So, you—if your husband is really good at getting out of bed in the morning, you go, "Honey, you are such a great getter out of bedder in the morning person. You inspire me to get out of bed in the morning." Right, or if they don't, you know, attacking someone for not being a good builder. Well, this is just the truth. Listen, listen, listen. Let me give you. And I say this at a lot of weddings. If you're going into surgery, and you hear, no, 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 right before you go under, you may can't come out of surgery and all the cancer's gone, but so is your kidney and your lung and your heart. We got the job done, but you made it worse. If you love someone, you don't use truth as a chainsaw, you use it as a scalpel. You use it to heal, not get back. You're using words. Don't give me, I'm just telling you the truth thing, because that justifies your attitude. You got some surgery that needs to be done because you're not demonstrating love in your words. You're using them to destroy. And you say, well, they did it to me. Oh, that makes it right. I wonder what your kids are like. Smile. Because the kids are the perfect mirror of our own actions. You want to see how you're acting with your spouse? Just look at your kids. They're, they're really showing you. Now, I'm not trying to like, get in your face. What I'm saying is there is power to change everything in your life with people. Through words, And isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting? This is so interesting. Like God wants to give us life and then we give him life back. We reflect back to him what he gives us. So he speaks life over us and then we speak life back to Him. But isn't it interesting that God, when He created us, didn't create us so that all we needed was life from Him, but He created others in our, in our surroundings to also speak life into us? That not only is it the right thing to do, not only is it the best thing to do, it is the God thing to do. It's the responsible thing to do that we're to go around. You say, why won't God change the world? Because the bride hasn't figured out their mouth is to be his mouth on earth as it is in heaven. He's not going to step in and start doing what you're responsible to do. That when you wake up in the morning and you go to that Starbucks person who's taking forever to mess up your drink, that you don't tear into them and speak death. You broadcast life. Hey, I appreciate you working hard to do this. I appreciate the fact that you're just working. Amen? <laughs> hey, but we attack them instead of giving life. See, they should know us by our tongue. Oh, that's somebody who... I, I feel better when I'm around them. I ate fruit off that tree, and I feel like it's amazing how people will turn their ear to you when you come around, because how many love eating fruit off a good tree? How's your tree? Right? How's your tree? Will you bow your head? There are, well, before you do that, there's, there's one thing I want to give you. There's seven words, divine words, seven divine words, seven divine words. Pastor Jack, come up here. There's seven divine words we all need to say. We're going to say it together. Let's put those words up there, the seven divine words. Say it. Now, it's not like Wizard of Oz. I'm melting, I'm melting. You're not going to melt when you say this. Okay? So, so say it with me. I was wrong. <laughs> Some of you are like, I'm going to vomit. <laughs> Let's do it one more time. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? There are six words that come short of doing what we should do. Here are the six words. I need to ask for your forgiveness. Okay, then, then ask. I'm waiting. No, that's not what we're doing. I don't, you may need to. We all know that. Will you? So put the seven words back up there. The, the side. Okay, here, here's the call. Everyone, will you stand? I'll give you, this is, if you say, this is the immediate thing the Lord put in my heart. This is the immediate thing the Lord put on my heart that I'm to ask every one of you in this room to do. Now, this message hopefully will get you thinking. I thought about this. The lobby will be, probably be quite quiet this afternoon. Like, I don't want to say anything that, you know. But here, here's what I know the Lord told me to ask you to do. Here it is. There is someone in your life today that you need to call and say, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And you're sitting here right now going, no way am I doing that. Are you married to the Word? Did the Word, did you say, I do, to the Word? And the Word said, I've received forgiveness, so you need to forgive. Right? How do you do that? Not saying, I forgive you for what you did to me. What it's saying is, there's someone in your mind right now that you know you need to call and say, you know what? I was wrong. Maybe it's a child, a parent, a friend, a boss, someone from 20 years ago that you completely forgot about because you tried to repress it. But the Lord brought it up to you and said, that thing is still affecting your life today. You need to call them today and say, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? You bow your head because now the Holy Spirit needs to work in your heart because just because I've said this doesn't mean you'll do it. It will have to be because you heard from the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to give them that opportunity right now.